right there, folks, is a little bit of what is called I Hate Myself, a local Gainesville band uh, who I've been a fan of since the first time I heard them. Uh, they were in a band prior to that. Uh, the gentleman I'm interviewing this evening, uh, when I introduce him, I'll let him explain uh, that prior band and what led into this band and the evolution of this band, maybe, hopefully just some few little stories. Uh, I've known him for, since he was 17, maybe, or maybe just out of high school I met him. I must have been 24 and an asshole. <laughs> no, um, but uh, he's, he's always been very nice to me, always very kind, so is his brother. Uh, I've always appreciated the, the two of them, uh, so I would have to say that's why I'm interviewing him this evening. I'm a fan of his, uh, of his musicianship, uh, his music, musical taste, uh, his humor, uh, and his brain. He's actually a very, I would, uh, I would say he was intellectual of sorts. He'd probably laugh that off, but no, he's a smart dude. Um, very well read and um, so this evening this will be happening uh, I think yeah at the Bocamino in the back if nothing's going on it might change I don't know you never know with these things when you're gonzo podcasting I've decided like going out and about and going into everything Instead of having a safe haven, I guess you would say, like a place where you could nest from all the outside things. I think I enjoy all the outside things and the stuff that you can you have no control of. So I hope that comes across, and I hope you all enjoy it as well. I hope you guys enjoy the ambience. Uh, I hope you enjoy the, the stories, the jokes, uh, the funny stuff, the serious stuff. Uh, I appreciate you listening, whoever is listening. I'm surprised there is people listening, but... I feel like this is something that uh, I've been destined to do. I've been talking my whole life. I've used to get in trouble for talking uh, all the time. So I guess this would make sense. So uh, we'll be starting the, uh, the interview uh, pretty soon, uh, as soon as our guest shows up. All right, looking forward to it. And here we are, guys, at Bocamino, or Boca Fiesta slash Bocamino. Uh, I'm here with my guest, uh, one of the gentlemen that were in the band. I had given us four, four clips on earlier from I Hate Myself. Uh, one of my favorite bands in Gainesville. Uh, it's kind of funny. It seems like all my first interviews have been uh, people that I've are big fans of their music, so it's, it's worked out for me because as a fan, I could ask them questions that I've never asked them. So you have members of Seven Dust? Is that what you're saying? You've gone yes. through Seven Dust I've and gone Stain? Through seven and... Dust and Stain. Okay, yeah. Godsmack, I hit first. As far as I recall, those are your favorite yes. bands. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Godsmack okay. was number one, but right. and Mushroom Head. But, uh, Who's Mushroom Head? It's a terrible like band that's like Slipknot, but worse. See, you know that. But it's because my little cousin. Oh, okay, because right, my little yeah. cousin blame, blame extended was, family. Was into that right. stuff, and then he went to Afghanistan and became a sharpshooter. 
Okay. Well. So that's what happens when you listen to that kind of music. I guess so. <laughs> when you listen to army rock, you join the army. I guess that's And you true. go rock. Okay. <laughs> that's what I guess. I guess. Yeah, sure. So, but anyways, uh, the gentleman I have here with me this evening is, again, someone I've known, I'd say, since you were, what, 17? 22 years now, yeah. 17? Yeah, yeah. 22 years. And uh, and your name is? John Marburger. John Marburger, yeah, that's right, folks. That's right. John Mar Marburger, who was in Pung, I Hate Myself, and what other music? Uh, with my brother, Pung, I Hate Myself, and Burn Man, and Die Hoffnung. Okay. We play together in a band called Gels now, and we're going to do something else one of these days. Okay, and so. what other bands have you done? Uh, I was in Gunmall, which is the bands that recorded in Gunmall. Um, the Kate Shipley. Okay. There's a lot that never really recorded. Pit, well, Pitchbox recorded, Fistfuck, I believe, recorded. Okay. Um, Jim and I were in a previous Favorite band in, in high school when we were very young. Um, a very bad alternative rock band called Spooge. Okay. Um, and then that was that was a prequel to Skeet. What? You said Spooge. Spooge, yeah. And I was like, is that the prequel to Skeet? What is Skeet? Skeet is another oh, word see, for that's Spooge. Oh, that's how I'm terribly out of touch. <laughs> Sorry, that was a hip-hop term. That's okay. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, and there were other, there were countless one-offs of just the 700 Club, I think. Okay, that's my, um, who was in that? God, we were, Mark and I were trying to remember this the other day. I think the 700 Club was me, Jack, Mark. And maybe Mike Taylor, Jack, Jack Stillwell, Mark, Mark Rodriguez from Palatka. And so were, were the songs influenced by the Baker family? I don't know. I played, in the case Shipley in the 700 Club, I played keyboards, oddly enough, and I wore a hamburger costume. In the 700 Club, everyone dressed up as sort of religious figures, and I dressed up as a hamburger. Which is a religious figure. Sure, absolutely. In some a corporate circles. religious yeah, absolutely. figure, right? Yeah. Definitely. That's so, hilarious. Yeah, and there's, I think that's... I mean, I was in earlier high school bands, yeah. like ninth grade. I think the first band I ever played was a band called Montag and the Firemen. Okay. Which That's was this cool. guy, Donnie. Actually, I, kind of a neat name. Yeah, it was this guy. I, I don't even remember what I played. I think I went back and forth between bass and drums. And then, um, well, I played bass, but I would sit behind the drum set every now and then, not being able to play, just wanting to hit the snare. And then, there was, and I played in a jazz trio when I quit grad school just to make some, some scratch. Scratch, okay. At the, the coffee shop. So then, okay, there it is. Are you a learned musician or are you self-taught? I mean, yeah, studied. I started playing trombone when I was, I guess, 10 or 11. And then when I was 12, I got a... No, when I was, yeah, 11, I got a guitar and I didn't really take any interest in the, the number of strings. So I decided to... My dad made an agreement that if I was able to get first chair when I made it in a symphonic band in seventh grade at Howard Bishop Middle School here in town, I, um, he would get me a bass because I really wanted to play bass because trombone, I don't know if you know this, is not the coolest instrument in the world. I think it's an awesome, amazing instrument. But I think it's the greatest. Um, I mean, so, it, it is the bass of the wind. Sort of, yeah. It, yes, you're right. Besides actually, it's, the yeah, tuba. Right, which I, mean, I, did, I played that as well. But, but yeah. like stand-up horn, yeah. the, the trombone, you get that, you know, I mean, it's, that it's, is... It's, yes, it, it definitely has glissandos and lovely yeah. things like that. Um, I played I, it too, so screw them, whoever yeah, says I still, that. I, I still French play it every now and then. My daughter, my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Every now oh, and my picks French up. horn, if they got some stuff to say about that. Um, but I, I was really involved in band, and so I, you know, in the summers during summer band, because oh, so we, had, we had perpetual really schooling pretty much to where it was, you know, when we weren't in school in the summertime, we were doing something school or scholastically school, oriented. Okay. So I would pick up, like, French horn and baritone sax and tuba and baritone, and I tried to learn how to play everything, but okay. mostly it was predominantly trombone, and then, I, you know, I started playing bass 
and then when I was in high school, still played trombone and then played bass in the jazz band. So I can, you know, I can read music, obviously, and play yeah. bass okay. formally. Um, drums was an afterthought. It was actually, I was actually pushed into playing drums. It wasn't a desire on my part at all. Was, okay, okay. Um, but yeah, so I, I considered at a very short period of time, like being an orchestra conductor or something like that. Oh, wow. Um, I just don't have the diligence to write or... I was the band conductor for eighth grade band or whatever, the student conductor, and... That went well, I guess, but I decided not. At a, at a young age, decided not. It wasn't a career that I should pursue. Okay. So, so that so I'm guessing from what I understand over the years that you you are a, a Gainesville native. Mm. Are you not? No, we moved here in I think '87. So you were? Yeah, I was 11 years old. 11. I was. We moved here in the middle of sixth grade. We moved around a lot before that. Okay. It's because so my dad's job. It wasn't military. It was okay, just, just it was sales related. So we'd go between different regions okay so I've lived in mostly all the south you know Virginia Mississippi and Texas okay. and then back in Virginia and then that's when Jim and I moved here was, and Gainesville you know, just kind of stuck uh, my, my dad got laid off um, okay. and my mom was working at a house at a, a doctor's office up there she's a, a surgical tech and they were looking around and she was looking at one of the magazines and they UF Shands was hiring a lot yeah. in 87 for surgical techs and they liked the, the community and um, the idea of the college and stuff like that, so we moved down here. It was, oh, kind, cool. of a, right. it was kind of a fluke that we ended up in Gainesville. I mean, we went from rural Virginia, like sort of west of the Beltway, Virginia, to Gainesville for some strange reason. Okay, so. that's that, that. Okay, so that's yeah, that's a change. I mean, because going from there to a college town is definitely. A, yeah, no, our old town, the, the town that Jim and I lived in for two years before we moved here, was, I think, population of like 460 people. Oh wow! Like it was, you know, 20 kids per grade oh, kind of thing. The elementary school was one, you know, one class per grade. It was really small really close-knit um, everyone knew everyone the, the, the high school was kind of like um, all the surrounding small cities or small towns went to that the one city high school and right. by city I mean much smaller than Gainesville for city right. you know right, right. kind of thing so um, it was definitely a shock I mean we weren't I knew nothing about materialism or or having to look or dress a certain way at all until we moved to Gainesville and suddenly oh, like wow. I was I was just derided constantly for the fact that we shopped at Walmart and Pick and Save because my dad didn't have a job and we had no money and right. you know we bought whatever we could afford and everyone at middle school was like you're not wearing like TNC surf designs and gotcha <laughs> shirts and right. just crap like that right, and uh, right. we were wearing the the, you know, the knockoff equivalents that were provided by Walmart. I was explaining so. that to someone yesterday that I usually got the equivalent knockoff from Kmart. Yeah. You know, yeah. instead of Vans, they were Vines. Was, yeah, you know, I like was. The checkers weren't really checkers. They were kind of offset, weird. You know, I was like, really stoked when Pick and Save started selling body glove, like genuine body yeah, glove yeah, yeah, clothes. Yeah. It's like, oh, sweet, I'll fit in. But of course, you know, the uh, at that point in time, the cool kids had already caught up and realized that now body glove was Gloves, sold. Yeah. So it was actually Pick even a, a larger strike against me. Not, and that at a very young age, I learned to not care about dumb shit like materialism and and what you wear in clothes and right, right. whatever. Because um, I mean, I care. But right. that's just because I'm kind of. You're fashionable. You didn't. You weren't always as fashionable as you are now. I was. I. You know what? This. You're right. I wasn't. Yeah. I was I'm still right. the guy that will, if if I could get away with it, <laughs> wear two dollar, you know, um, gasoline attendant pants that's used from the, the the flea market. But I, don't, I haven't bought them in a while because I, I don't fit them properly anymore. Right. But. Okay. So then, um, when did? Uh, then I guess I would ask you, since you were had done the music and you were learned and you had moved to Gainesville, you said at what, age 11? Yeah, yeah. I started playing trombone in Virginia. Okay. And then moved down here and joined So, band. what was it, middle school or high school that, that you found the punk rock scene in Gainesville? What, uh -huh. what is, when is it that you, when it kind of grabbed you? What? I guess it was 11th grade. So, we, you know, Jim and I 
uh, Jim and I went to different high schools. Um, he went to my I went to a magnet school here in town, um, and he went to the, he went there for about a year and a half, but then transferred to the, the school we were zoned for, which is a bigger high school. And um, Aaron from Pung had Jim and Aaron had known each other since Jim first moved here. They've been best friends since fifth grade. Um, and Aaron worked. Uh, I guess there's two ways we came about it. The first instance was. Um, someone that Jim went to school with, I think it might have been Melissa Ryder or somebody, you know, I think yeah, you know yeah. Melissa. Um, someone at, at GHS had given Jim that first spoke 7-inch and the first radon 7-inch. Oh, wow. So this was around 91, 92. Holy cow. Um, I remember shopping at Specs and checking out and Chuck from Spoke was working the register and trying to get my dad to buy me the 7-inch. Instead, we bought the, the crappy tape of my bass teacher at the time. Right, right. Um, who's awful funk band. I have that tape somewhere still, but I don't have the original punk, or Spoke 7-inch, unfortunately. It's funny you say that you bring up Spoke because, I, like, somebody was saying, they're like, oh, you need to come up with a theme song, you know? And I guess I'm going to work on that. That's something I'll come around to. I'm trying to figure out who I could who I could do. I want to grab like you or George just one day and somebody with a guitar or something just come up with something real quick or whatever but originally what I want to do is I wanted to play I want the, the song I want in the beginning of my show is the song that the first song I heard on the jukebox here mm -hmm. in the hardback that very first night that I came here and the energy was just I just right and we had just met these people and then it fucking antihistamine came on yeah 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 I still can't play that drum part. It's, I mean, that used to be... Right? Jim and I, yeah, Jim and I... So, so, so basically what happened was Jim brought the spoke and the radon 7 inches home. I didn't know what the difference between 33 and, and a third and, and 45 RPM was. Right, so right. I played it on my shitty stereo <laughs> at 33 and a third and was, of course, 45. And I was like, this is the most boring thing I've ever heard. Not realizing I was playing at the wrong speed. So it sort of passed. But, you know, the idea of Jim started to get into the idea of a, a sort of a local music community. Um, and then Aaron from Pung started working at a place called Dairy, Dairy Isle, which is now the El Indio on 34th. Okay. And he worked there with a guy named Rob and a guy named Kevin. And they were uh, probably three or four years older than us. Okay. And they were already part of, like, they were already going to shows at the Utility House and going to shows at oh, the okay. Hardback. And so they made us a mixtape. And that, that mixtape is literally the, the thing that changed my life from music, as far as music goes. Okay. Like, it was... Uh, so this was when I was roughly a junior in high school. Um, it was like Bastro and Ed Hall, uh, the Pixies, Big Black, uh, Mission of Burma, Pegboy. I mean, all these crazy, amazing bands this, to this day I still absolutely love. Ed Hall I'm not right. as much of a big fan of, but Bastro is still by far one of my favorite bands. What was your, um, what was your introduction to the hardback? Uh, so the, my first show at the hardback ever, I was, oh, okay, so I was in a band called Slap Happy Pappy. When I was in when I was in high school, it was a funk band, Country? mind no, you. Funk, okay. um, I was I was I think a junior in high school. The drummer and I went to high school with Slap, me, and then the other two guys in the band went to um, <laughs> went to PK Young or something like that. The sort of the UF sort yeah, of yeah, weird yeah. magnet school, and um, they needed a bass player, so I started playing bass with them. And there was a band from Jacksonville, I think, that was like sort of a pseudo funk band with a very very heavy set guitar player named Pie Wacket. And Ben, the drummer from Slap Happy Pappy, convinced me to come see them at the Hardback. So this is my first time ever coming to the Hardback. Oh wow! The second time was when Spooge. What year Jim, is that? That was probably '92. Okay, '92. So yeah, '92 or '93. Years before I moved. Yeah, okay. yeah, and then '93, I think, was when Jim and I were in Spooge. I know because we could, I could drive, so yeah. I had to have at least been 16. So, so '92, '93, Jim and I's first band, Spooge, happened to play at the Hardback with Spoke. 
Oh, wow. And it was the most, that's, I think that was the big sort of awakening when we played our terrible, our ter I mean, our guitar player was like 25, just skinny, weird, phenomenal guitar player, like really, cemetery. really wanted to be, yeah, really wanted to be like in a popular touring band. Jim and I actually got kicked out of the band because we wouldn't tour. We were, you know, mind you, we're in high school, we're junior. Jim was a sophomore, yeah. I was a junior. Hey man, I can't um, go. But we played, and oh, we're, you know, all pussies. like, I was playing bass, and Jim was just singing, not playing guitar at all. Jim had long hair, and I, you know, I had a <laughs> skater cut. And we were playing just bad, like, Soundgarden-type derivative shit. Oh. And we played, and then Spoke got up and played, and it was a completely different vibe. Everyone was having fun. I can't believe I just used the word vibe, but it was a completely different sort of... No, that's just, right. That's what it um, is. Everyone was having fun, and we just saw that, and I was like, oh, that's that seven-inch of that band. And then... Um, it just started to make sense. Right. We were just like, this is awesome. You know, and I remember talking to John Resch and Chuck and they were amazing and I remember seeing people there and then, um, so Jim and I started to get gravitate more. Thankfully we got kicked out of Spooch. I think that was yeah. the best thing that ever happened to us. And we started, that's when Jim decided like, let's, I want to play like simple punk type music. And that's when basically Pung happened. Yeah. Pung was, Aaron had never played an instrument except for trumpet. Jim and Aaron both played trumpet before in band. Jim, Jim was a phenomenal trumpet player. I was a mediocre trombone player. Um, he, Aaron and him wanted to start a band and he wanted me to be in it too. Aaron didn't want to play drums. And I had played bass for a couple years now. Still had my same shitty $100 court P-Bass copy. But I, but I practiced constantly. Um, and what I, Jim said, much, you know, Jim said a lot of things. No, no, Jim played playing drums. You know, that's kind of how our relationship works. Like, no, I think you're doing this. No, no, I want to do, no, I think you're doing this. I think this. it worked best if you Yeah, this. so basically I had to learn how to play drums. And okay. you could tell I'm, I, that it was not my instrument of choice because I'm still pretty terrible at it. But, um, <laughs> and that's how, and then Pung was basically started. And then we started asking Alan, like, can we play a show? Our first show at the Hardback was with Schnitt Ocht okay. in the warehouse, which is now Palomino, and they were a weird industrial band. No one was there except for Dan Arkey. Of course. Um, our second show, Eric Carlson happened to be there. Oh, wow. And was just immediately was like, hey, you guys, I can tell you're young, you sort of don't know what's going on, but there's a place called the Utility House that has shows. There's these other bands I think in town that you should you should meet like Van Bilderass. So Eric, so Eric, Eric Carlson. I'm shout out to Eric Carlson. I'm gonna do an expats <laughs> yeah. stuff. So I when I when I go travel up to New York, I'm gonna try to hit some people on the way up and get some expats interviews. I need to get one from you, Mr. Carlson. So why don't you like undo undo my Facebook thing and pay attention to me and ignore all that my political stuff for a minute and pay attention to the other stuff. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point in time, we had already gone to the last Spoke show. Jim, Aaron, and I, had, we had decided, like, we are going to be part of this community. Because right. it just it, 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 it just seems so friendly and welcoming and also creatively incredible. Um, that we, you know, and we weren't forcing ourselves on it. We weren't, right. like, you know, uh, following behind, you know. Well, I, I think John had just had already moved at this point in time, but Chuck was still around. Yeah. And um, Scott was long gone. We never really knew Scott. and But we were, you know, just kind of... Um, trying to basically get to the point to where we felt that we were less terrible enough to, to be able to play a show with the people at that point in time that we admired. Do you so. think Do you think um, that Gainesville has a, a good um, a good reputation I guess I would say with how how well the generations interact with one another because it sounds like like you just said you come in you guys are young 
boom, older dudes come in. Hey, this is what's happening. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. You get. I mean, it was nothing like. And you, like you said, you guys weren't dressing like the other kids were dressing. You know, you guys. No, were doing we. I mean, I wore. I wore shitty own, like yeah. cut off sweatpants. You shorts were doing your own thing. Right? Yeah, so yeah. It's like. He wasn't like, oh, here's some kids trying to be punk rock. No, we did. We never looked punk rock. I mean, See, we never had. That's what's awesome about the yeah, Gainesville yeah. scene is yeah. that what I was trying to get at is that we. It seems like no matter what, it, it, the it's intergenerational. Yeah. You know, and it definitely. At least it was. I mean, it probably still is. I'm just not as much of a part of right, it. I feel. Really I, and I feel really awful over. about it because. Um, Back then, there were folks. Eric's, you know, I guess about three or four years older than I am. Var is, I believe, probably six years older than I am. Yeah. Um, and uh, and Pat's, I think, roughly Var's age. So, you know, back then there was there was it wasn't a generational difference, but it definitely was a considerable age difference. Right. They weren't necessarily our peers, even though they were. Um, and but they were all like there was never any. I still don't know half of my friends' ages, in all honesty. Right. Because it never it never came up, that's, you know? That's what's and funny about this town. That's what I was trying to uh, point out, like, that you really don't know some of them. You're like, really? Yeah. You know, like, you and, didn't... And back then, too, if you played music, there was a reason why you did it. And for most of the folks in town, it was just because it was something you enjoyed. There was no, like, I'm going to do this to create something for myself, whether it be a career or popularity or whatever. It was just... I. This is fun for me. I get to go hang out and play music with my friends. I, I think that it, things are slightly different in that regard now. I don't. I don't go enough to, sh to go to enough shows, but I do get sort of slightly distracted or disturbed by the fact that a lot of the bands now that are younger, yeah. at least some of the ones that I've seen doing sound or whatever, um, are have nice equipment. I mean, that's the thing that Jim and I laugh about all the time. You know, I played. Jim and I played the bass player, whoever was in whatever band it we were in. It took me ten years to afford nice equipment. Right, we played. You know, in Pung and I hate myself and Burn Man, pretty much. Whoever was playing bass used my same shitty old 115 PB right. combo amp. I mean, that's the bass amp I played out of since Spooge. Yeah. You know, we never, crazy. we never. Jim played a you know a, a crappy Fender Solid State 210 Princeton chorus for Pung and I hate myself. Yeah. Um, you know, it was never, there was never, gear or whatever you want to call it, was never the important part about playing music. It was just playing music and, and being creative and being around your friends. Now it seems like everyone is, and I'm, I, 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 I may be you know, painting with a broad brush, but it's, everyone's very tech savvy because of because of whatever reasons, and everyone seems that they're very driven now to, to perpetuate it as somewhat of a career or something, which was never really anything that ever entered our minds more, ever. More like, it, it's, you know, I think maybe what, that's funny you say that, but I think what, what probably perpetuates that is the fact that nowadays maybe it's a different type of DIY thing. Well, yeah, you know and, but I mean? like, you also know what shitty gear sounds like yeah. now. Back then, we just that was what our guitar sounded and, like. And now, I didn't know what a good guitar, a good drum sounded like. And you know? the messed up part is that now, though, you could get an adapter for a phone and plug into it and make it sound like an orange right. amplifier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, know, is, like this is you know, this the, is a that's yeah. The messed up part a deep, is that whether there's you don't something, even need yeah. to afford really right. nice equipment nowadays. You can just plug, you can do it through the computer now. And even, yeah, I mean it's like the thing the of you weirdest. know you can do math in, on a calculator instead of in your head. You know that. Yeah. I still try and do it in my head just because exactly. there's there's a little bit there's more intimacy when you actually understand why what you're playing through or you're playing yep. through what you're playing through out of necessity, which is what we were doing. Like we worked jobs to be able to buy the, the crappy Crap equipment it. that we had. And you tried to make it sound the best that you Yeah, could. and even you we didn't, could. I mean, in all honesty, I didn't even, we didn't know what, what good sounded like. I mean, what licking, you felt. What we felt sounded yeah. adequate. I mean, I didn't know what EQ was for years. <laughs> Dude, until, my you know, hard key EQ yeah, was so was useless just, to me, like the first five or six years. Um, and then when I became like super <laughs> nerdy about it, then I went off the deep end as far as, you know, knowing every aspect of amplifiers and, yeah. and, and sound and stuff like that. But yeah, it was just, it wasn't a, 
it wasn't, hey, we're playing a show. It's like, oh, sweet, we get to go play a show with our friends and uh, and hang out. And, and it, there was, I mean, we were driven to the point where we wanted to do stuff with it. But, you know, our touring record is, I think the most I've ever toured was with Gunmall was three weeks. Right. And that's minuscule, and that was maybe three times. And that's minuscule compared to, you know, Hot Water or Against Me or Less Than Jake or, you know, even the, like Tired From Now On and stuff like that. Yeah. motherfuckers, right. Um, we just never, we, we toured on winter break and that was it. You yeah. Know? And, and um, it was just, I don't know. It was interesting. I, I, I definitely missed those days a lot. Yeah. We're definitely a lot older now, but um, and things were hard. I mean, you had to call people to get shows. And I mean, this is, I feel like I'm just basically, it's the geriatric podcast with John talking about the way no, things no, used to no, be. No, 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 not at all. This is, see, the thing is, is that this is important because like, you know, like you have, like you're, you're, you're telling the version. I didn't order a burrito. Neither one of us ordered anything. No, no, no. Thank, thank you, though. It looks delicious. Yes. So. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> sorry, that threw me off. Gator burrito. Gator burrito? No. They have a gator burrito here? I don't, I don't eat here often enough. No. Uh, I used to work here. I'm not going to. But, um. <laughs> there was, I mean, there was a, uh. And I, you know, I can't speak to any of those people that actually pursued it. I mean, we definitely enjoyed touring and right. we enjoyed doing that. But it was very early on. I think Jim and I realized, and it's become far more obvious the older we get, that we basically wrote music to write music. We never really wrote music to play music. I guess you could say right. we're we're. I guess to a certain not say well known, but we're you know we're. It's pretty obvious that Jim and I don't aren't in bands to play in front of people every week. Right, like that's right. I mean we when the often was active it was once every six months maybe. I hate myself and Pung were probably the most active where we'd play a show every couple months. Yeah. Um, Pung went on one week and a half long tour with Palaka. I hate myself one on a, like, I think three two week tours or yeah. a week and a half long tours. Birdman went on one tour with Twelve Hour Return. Um, Gunmall toured three or four times, but short tours. I've never toured the West Coast or anything. Okay. We toured Japan once, but. Um, uh, not that you have to pick out of all of those, but say maybe out of, let's say your, your the middle grouping of those, the middle, like say, the I hate myself tours. Um, what 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 was one of your like I'd say out of your top five? What was your one of your favorite shows? There were I don't know. It's weird. The tours for us were always weird because there was there was a. I don't know if it's a misperception or a perception of us as being very emotional, just sort of like what you would, I guess, now consider emo kids, which we weren't at all. I mean, not that we were, like, we're not big dudes. We're well, definitely... Well, the funny thing, it seems to me, the funny thing is a lot of stuff that was coming out of Gainesville right. at that time period, for some reason, a lot of people thought Gainesville was an emo town. Right, which is weird because we were the, I mean, us, really... and there was All About America, and I guess yeah. um, Kelly Affair and stuff like that, but there was... We, you know, we were more, um, we definitely gravitated towards, more towards the, the spoke radon side of things. And then I, you know, we both, Jim and I both got into bands like Low and obviously Fugazi and then um, uh, like Moss Icon and yeah, Current, yeah, yeah. Current and things like that. And that's, that's what I listened to. There's still a lot of the stuff that Mark, you know, sort of keyed me into. Um, some of the stuff like Mohinder and, and Sleepy Time Trio and Click mm -hmm. Attack Atawi, the Gravity Records bands and, and 3-1-G and stuff like that, Ebullition. Take notes, everybody. These are some good stuff. This is some history here. Um, so, and then, you know, Mission of Burma, who I still absolutely love. So yes. we went more towards the sort of the, the odd side of things, and, and then, then I picked up on Shellac and, and Jesus Lizard and all the Chicago-type sound. What was, what was, at the time, what was your... Uh, 
going along the weird side, what was, say, popular music-wise at that time period? Like, were you into Sunny Day Real Estate? Was that a No, band? I mean, I liked that. Well, I guess it was the first record. Um, the stuff that was catchier, I wasn't really into. And I'm still, I mean, Pegboy was as catchy as it got for me. Okay. And I think still think Pegboy and Naked Raygun are, are two most two of the most catchy bands of all time. Yes, they are. I, but, I, you know, but I went, but I was, when I was sitting in my room after I got out of my long-term Primus phase when I was in early high school, it was, it was, it was, you know, Tar. I mean, Tar is still one of my all-time favorite. Tar, okay. yeah, yeah. Tar and Arkwalder. I think Arkwalder is one of the most um, underrated, amazing bands of all time as far as song structure, melodic structure, instrumentation. Um, the simplicity of it is just absolutely brilliant. I think that's the closest I got to things like Husker Du or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I never ever listened to West Coast pop punk like No Effects. I never had a propaganda. All these things that everyone major. told me I would love, I have no interest in that whatsoever. <laughs> right, right. Um, there's, just some, there's, there's just some character about it I don't like. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of Bad Religion records where it got slightly more orchestrated that I enjoyed. Right. I had this weird thing where I wanted people to do simple stuff but do it creatively. Right, right, Not right. to say that propaganda and No Effects and Rancid and those guys aren't creative at all, but... I just didn't see anything in it. There wasn't anything you. that grabbed me about it. Yeah, um, yeah. But well, to go to go back, sorry, I, I totally no, no, go just, to go back to the tour question. Um, I mean, I, there it's always not the shows that we, I mean there, we almost got fought in Cleveland, I think, because we made fun. We were, we played a straight edge show and everyone assumed we were straight edge, which for this to a certain extent we were. We weren't like ever big drug guys or drinking guys or right, whatever. Right, um, right. You know, Jim made some comment about how silly it was to beat up your friends if they started drinking, and then, of course, these you know these buff dudes in basketball jerseys took a front to that, and they wanted right. to beat us up, and and it was just like, I mean, seriously, guys, you know, I could I mean, imagine, I could imagine like big football dudes looking at the two like you guys who are not no, large in stature no. whatsoever. Totally fair fight, I'm sure. Um, to I mean, totally we, fair. so we, the show was like us, and we were on tour with this amazing this band called Agress, who were kind of they sounded like Falling Forward. Um, and then they were awesome, awesome kids. And uh, we played with like Chalkline and Ascension and a couple other like hard, like severe hardcore oh, bands. Wow. And so it was a very, very inappropriate show for us to be playing. It was a big show and it was just very Where odd. Where was that at? That was at, uh, in Cleveland, I think it was called Speaking Tongues or something. Okay. Um, and then, and this is years ago, I, can't, I think that's the name, I'm not sure. But um, so that was fun. I mean, I broke my foot on my, the first I Hate Myself tour, jumping out of a tree in Toronto. <laughs> We were supposed to have a show set up for us, and the guy that set up the show said, "Sorry, man, I couldn't do anything. It's high school prom tonight," which gives you an idea about our, you know, our, our yeah, fan yeah. base. Um, <laughs> you know, I've broken my—I've only only broken bones have been on tour. I broke my face on a Burnman tour, and I broke my foot on a I Hate Myself wow. tour. But you broke your face? Yeah, I was, I was a terrible skater. Yeah, I, I aspire constantly to be like my brother, who is very active and very fit and uh, courageous. So he, you know, both you know, adventurous and, and musically courageous. And literally courageous, and I, um, I, I was dropping in on a ramp in South Carolina. It was going to be us, and like, I think um, Guiana Punchline and uh, True North were going to play. We're playing yeah. a show, and I decided to drop in on it. You know, five foot. Jim swears it was like three feet high. I think it was like five <laughs> or six feet. I'm pretty sure it was a vert ramp. Um, uh, He's like totally tell you. Yeah, you got this. And I was at the top of the ramp, and Jim's like, "That's a bad idea." And I just said, "Probably." And I, I tried to drop in, and the front trucks never touched the board, the de the, um, oh the ramp. And I just face planted at the bottom of the ramp and got up, played the show, and then went to the hospital and got X-rayed and stuff. But, oh man, that's a good. See, yeah. that's a good story. See, this is, this th these are the type of things that 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 I'm trying to get. This is the things that happen, the stories that occur in this town. Uh, are some of the funniest some of the funniest things that, that you could actually hear uh, it was I mean that was the extent of me doing dumb kid shit yeah like, yeah yeah like doing stuff that any normal person would be able to physically 
attain, I had I could not do it at all because I'm just I'm an awkward you know right. back then I was wayfishly thin and uh, just very awkward um, and it was just at the same time too I was the responsible brother I was you know I, my mom growing up was always like you know make sure you take care of your brother because Jim was the wild man and so I, I would. Uh, I would be the guy in the van, like, you know, you guys are drinking too much, that kind of thing. I, I was a parent on the tour, okay. essentially, so. Are you ready to get another beer? Sure. Right. Yeah, let's make that wacky. So, uh, yeah. Got some more beers? Light another cigarette? Quick question. Um, what's your, what would you say probably your, not a show that you played, I'd say like one of your top five shows that you saw either the cover dish, Comic Browns, or at the hardback. Like a band that you were just like, I'm glad I got to see these guys here because I, you know, you, and you never yeah. got to see them again or anything like that. Anything that just sticks out, maybe even so, you yeah, my, I mean, so probably one of the, the, probably the top show just because it was the last time I actually danced and had fun, you know, not that I don't have fun anymore. I'm just, you know, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't I'm not in the pit anymore, I guess you could right, say. Right, right. Um, Pegboy and Hot Water at the Covered Dish, and then also you know um, Hot Water and Jawbox Covered Dish. Wow, yeah, um, those are good shows, man. Yeah, I'm trying, uh, the Hardback. I mean, every show at the Hardback for me was amazing because it was such a, it was the place I wanted to be. I mean, Jim and I pretty much literally grew up here. That's we met you here. Right. That's how we finally became friends. You know, we started yeah, to yeah. actually be, um, perpetuate relationships, friendships with with you know George and Chuck and Jason and Chris and. Um, you know, everyone that was our friends were, for the most part, were in bands that were playing here, were ancillary important yeah. figures like Eric Carlson or Jay Page or something like that. Yeah. Um, the only, I never, I, Ark Welder and Tar played together at the Covered Dish, and I had a, I think I had a quantum mechanics exam the next day. <laughs> And I was in college, and I missed that show. And my brother kindly got me a sticker. I, I, you guys remember earlier how I said he was learned, all right, and well-read. You just no, heard what no, he said. No, no, I'm not well-read Quant at all. Quantum. <laughs> quantum. Um, quantum. That's 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 kind of, you know, you get some mathy in there, a little math. It was, I, did, I think I got a B on that exam, which is probably the highest grade I got an exam in quantum mechanics. John's probably um, one of the smartest people I know, so don't true. let him... No, I just, I'm, really, I'm really good at hiding my stupidity. That's, that's a, all it is. Man, I... Um, I'm good at showing it. <laughs> no. <laughs> You've always been like, that's why we gravitated towards you so quickly because not only were you just a friendly, open person, it was, we just felt comfortable with you. It was right. like, okay, this guy is, um, it was just friendly and funny to be, fun to be around. Like, you understood that we were kids, but didn't treat us as kids, I guess, to a certain right, extent. Right, I guess right, that's right. the best no, way totally, to put totally. it. Um, and you definitely would instigate her, so Jim and Aaron definitely like that because yeah. me being me, I was like, guys, don't do anything stupid. Yeah, yeah. You being you were like, hey, Jim and Aaron, let's go do something stupid. Yeah. Um, kind well, of like I mean, how Noi was too, like let's yeah, go, yeah. let's just go blow up two liter bottles with gunpowder. Exactly. Well, hence like you saying doing something stupid, like the night that you we know we, 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 yeah. we, we undressed. You're, you're you Aaron. undressed Aaron. I you and you and Danarchy undressed Aaron, and then yeah. Danarchy set his clothes on fire, fire and, and, and then we Aaron, dragged him out. And Aaron played. Yeah, Aaron naked, played naked. Which yeah. was Aaron. I mean, we literally dragged him out not twenty feet. Yeah, from, not mad, twenty feet. From mad him. props, Aaron. To yeah. you, sir. You. Uh, and now he's a surgeon. And now you're a surgeon. Just think, you can next time. Yeah. See, I. You know what? I want you got to tell him about this podcast because Aaron, oh. dude, from pops to you, it's been so long, man. I appreciated every moment that we had back here back in the day and, and man every moment that we shared was a moment that even no matter how much I drank I'd never I'll never forget <laughs> sure you say that no it's true um, it's amazing the stuff that I remember is 
it's it's amazing now like after I'd stopped drinking for for so many years that actually a lot of the memories started coming back yeah yeah and that's why I'm doing this too is to help connect all those memories a little bit better and to also say another thing and I mean this like I've been telling everyone else that I've been in, talking to is uh, uh, the reason why I gravitated towards you guys and, and and everybody else that it seems like we've all gravitated towards one another it seemed like it just kind of was a it was a place that just happened to bring uh, people from all different types of situations and were able to turn them into a family pretty yeah, much yeah I mean none of us had none of, I mean that's a good thing about Gainesville too is the fact that Really, I mean, back then, and I guess still to a certain extent, no, none of the bands really sounded alike all that much. Nope, 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 nope. nope I mean, at all. everyone played something different. I mean, yeah. Hot Water was the only Hot Water in town. Yeah. Uh, Moonraker was the only Moonraker in town. The Lexington, the Lexington, someday yeah, someday was a really bad version of Hot Water music. No, you guys Listen did something. You guys did something totally different, though. I mean, You're, you bet. Chrissy was listening. I was playing it the other day. And Chrissy was just like. You guys wanted to be hot water music so bad. I don't know about. I mean, I, I think you guys wanted. You definitely didn't want the instrumentation because it was only three piece. I yeah, mean, and it, it was wasn't. You guys weren't thing. structured. Songs weren't structured the same, same as same way. Yeah, hot yeah. water definitely had this this amazing dynamic and still does have this amazing dynamicism that that no one could at that age could ever possibly aspire to emulate. Um, Dude, I was watching uh, the, the old Tampa video of them playing at the three eighty or three eighty four three chaos. 403 chaos. Yeah. When George was like super slick, skinny, they everybody had the short haircut. Yeah, yeah. You know, like they were all in just perfect condition. They were intimidating. I mean, physically and musically, very that, intimidating. See, that's so funny. Is that? that but yeah, now we know. I mean, they're now, some of my closest I mean, friends, it, and it's it, just, like even coming, even before moving here to Gainesville with them, it's like thinking of like that was a funny thing too. Is like that was a, one of the funny things about Gainesville. And them coming up here is like I was made a joke with George about, or like even other people. What's up, Scott? How are you doing this evening? Doing well. Doing a podcast. Got with friends John everywhere. John Marburger here. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. It's no. a natural thing. You can it's answer natural. for you me. Can talk. <laughs> it's fine. It's all natural. <laughs> no, it's a, no, it's it's my new podcast. I just started putting it out not too long ago. It's called a powwow with pops. I've put out two so far and I've done two interviews the past two nights it'll be put out every Monday and yeah. your boyfriend's gonna be interviewed you'll probably even get interviewed one day <laughs> I know I'm interviewing pretty much I'm, I'm pretty much interviewing this is about me interviewing everybody that I've ever come across and become friends with in Gainesville and uh, talk to them about why they moved to Gainesville and what what about it gra made them gravitate and the music and the people and all that kind of stuff. Awesome. Yeah. So. Why'd you move here? And my parents moved me here in '86. I had no choice in the matter. Oh. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. It's a happy place to get started. Yeah. I heard, I heard about this band called End Dolphin, and I decided I needed to be a part of that scene. <laughs> Thanks, Wow, Dad. I pulled out an End Dolphin reference. You did. Those are the old bits. That was the, the, there was another. It wasn't just like it was all about the hardback. There was a whole other group of bands that, like, Big white undies and yeah, end dolphin, like, like and super super ball, super ball and whore culture and Grinch were the more and frolic were more what like about, a cover dish type. Okay, bands what were the okay okay, pink pink Lincolns were they? They hardback? were ten, no, they played the hardback and the cover dish, but they weren't from Gainesville. They okay. were from somewhere else in Florida. But it was Grinch, frolic, whore culture, super ball, um, and then you had like end dolphin and emperor moth and big white and undies. Moonraker? Moonraker was definitely a hardback band. Like, Moonraker was definitely hardback. Yeah, yeah. And who was in Moonraker again? Uh, Travis and uh, gosh, I forget all their names because I don't Decker. talk to them anymore. 
No, Decker, no, that was Claire Mel from That's Tampa. Claire, That's right. Um, uh, Dude, damn, I forget. Dan, I think, was the drummer. I think Michael was the guitar player. Yeah. Second guitar player. And then... Um, Who's the bass player? God, I forget his name. He took some physics courses. The dude, the big dude. Yeah, he's married to Jenny now. I forget his name. Was it Josh? I don't know. Super I don't nice. Yeah, super, very, very nice guy. Yeah, absolutely nice. People, yeah. Sweetest yeah people but I, I haven't seen planet. him in probably you know eighteen years. Yeah, so it's I forget. been forever. So, um, but yeah, it was it was definitely. So there wasn't. It wasn't just Gainesville was the hardback. There was definitely other stuff yeah. going on the cover dish and stuff like that. But then, very rarely did hardback bands play the cover dish. It was mostly hot water got to play the cover dish with the big bands and stuff. And and that was and do you, do you think Gainesville people that I mean. Because it seemed, you know what's so funny is though, looking back though, I mean, there was a lot of bands that, when we first moved here, that I thought that were just just as musically talented. And they were, but they weren't the same. I mean, Hot Water definitely had, definitely came from a background of punk rock, and they had like that DIY mentality, whereas a lot of those other bands, I, I think, and I, I can't speak for them, no, but no, they no, had totally. a... I think they came from different backgrounds, more like just structured rock background. Yeah. Um, I mean, I liked a lot of those bands. I st- Horror Culture and, and, and uh, Super Bowl, especially. And Grinch. I mean, Grinch, Joe the drummer, yeah. was you know a drummer that wore a headset mic and, and sang and played double bass and was a phenomenal drummer. And Mike Hetrick is still in town. He played bass for, for, um, for Grinch. Which supposedly he's going to do an interview someday. <laughs> so there was, I mean, there was other bands too, like older bands that were still around and stuff yeah that, you know so it's not like i knew everyone but there was definitely a group of you know us moonraker lexington's van builder ass when puberty strikes radon would do shows every now and then um hot water obviously less than jake you know when we jim and i were in high school one of our earlier shows we were aaron actually played trumpet for less than jake for like three shows and oh, okay so we got to know them that was like one of the first bands that went on to tour a lot that we actually got to know pretty well nice and then there was like tower from now on and floor would come to town every now and then and ulysses and those types of bands so um that's great i mean i really i really wish i could have been here at least i wish i would have got here in 90 90 would have been a good year to get here yeah no i mean i would have liked to have seen spoke on a regular basis yeah right on a regular i mean spoke is still one of the greatest i mean spoke is Spoke is pretty much responsible for me doing what I do. You know, had there not been Spoke, I don't know if Jim and I would have gravitated towards the scene as quickly and as as, uh, as fervently as we did. I guess just Mr. because. Resch. Yeah, I mean John Resch was a brilliant songwriter, just like Dave Rome, a brilliant yeah. songwriter, and Brent from Radon as well, and yep. and Chuck from Spoke and Scott from Spoke. But like they were great. Like like listening to those songs, they were just too. They were too way the fuck ahead of their time. No, absolutely. I mean, if someone were to write. Those spoke songs in like '95, oh yeah, and have recorded them well. Yeah, and the Radon's. I mean, Radon's still. It's it's still a disservice that Spoke and Radon aren't just like internationally just enormous. I mean, yeah. there's there's no reason why those bands did not catch on because everything the bands like Husker do and those bands that, that are now legendary. Yeah, uh, what they were doing. I mean, Spoke did stuff like that, but there was this weird weird bent to it that was amazing. I mean, there was because I, I mean when I listen to that stuff like. I, they're one of those bands that I can't go, they sound like this and this. Like, right. I can't really go, I can't find out where their 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 sound is coming from. You just know, like, it, it had a, a tone to it, yeah. a, a feel, an energy. That whole fucking album, it's weird. Like, as soon as you put it on, you could feel something. Yeah, done and all we need of hell. Like, I mean, there's no, literally no bad spokes on that I can think of. Where did they record that? Do you know? Uh, same place that Pung recorded the first, well, Pung recorded like 30 songs we ever released 
four or five or something. Why don't you guys release um, those on iTunes? Because uh, they're awful. It was um, they were recorded at Tommy Hamilton's studio in Tallahassee. That's Just, where the early spoke stuff okay. and um, I think Gruel Gruel I believe was Tommy Hamilton's. Was band, there no? Wasn't it? Was was there, was, but there were people that recorded here in town, but... Was well, Rob just... started, when Rob started recording band, everyone started recording with Rob. I mean, so Rob recorded all the I Hate Myself stuff. Okay. Um, but the this Burn guy, Man stuff. everybody went to Tallahassee Back in like prior. the early 90s, everyone went to Tallahassee okay. to go Tommy. Because yeah, yeah, isn't yeah. that where Hot Water recorded? Uh, anything, right? I think they might have recorded something very Feel early. Maybe, maybe No, prior. that was with Rob. I think, I think, I think that the early, like maybe Push for Corners recorded with Tommy, maybe. Something. I'm not really sure. Yeah. But he had basically a small tape eight track at his house in, yeah, in Tallahassee. Yeah, he had a house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And place. you know, Jim and I went up there first and recorded. Jim and Aaron and I went up and recorded, and then Roger from Lesson J came with us. And the second time, uh, Var came with us. Um, and uh, then after that, the last punk six inch that Aaron was on when Var started playing bass, that was recorded with Rob here in town. And then um, I hate myself stuff was all with Rob, and Birdman was Rob, and then D Hoffman was. Um, at Crescendo with Darren and Darren Neufer from Gun Mall and Ronnie Cates. Oh, jeez. So, and all the Gun Mall stuff was done at Crescendo as well. You know what? I think Gainesville, I think Gainesville needs to make a, a yearbook. A band yearbook of all the people. I mean, I think that'd be kind of a neat... Of everyone? Of everyone, like, say, from like when the punk scene started right, in Gainesville right. till now. Like, right. it'd be, I'd be kind of curious to see like all the bands, like, you know, you have your sections, your seniors, you yeah. know, the dudes and they, that were here in the, yeah, the, I mean, the beginning, I, yeah, and yeah. like, kind of like Dan Arkey's back, but right. on Yeah, on and then there, was, there paper, were bands like, there were, the cool thing too was like, there'd be bands from St. Augustine, like Section 8, and, and so well, Fried, Fried, was, well, Fried Christ, and Section 8, and stuff like that. So, they, who, they, so uh, Section 8 was Brian Johnson. Johnson. So, Brian Johnson was from, I think he was St. Augustine. I'm and not then sure. They all moved and Fried, over Fried here. Christ was definitely St. Augustine. Fried and Christ was okay. Travis Ginn. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then they all moved over here. Around. And then Shane was Shane. I think Shane might have been playing drums in Fried Christ. Shane from Panthro. And, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, yeah, yeah. Um, and so there was there was bands from out of town that came to town a lot too. So it was kind of yeah. nice. You know, there'd be Tampa bands like Claremont that would come all the time. Because it's funny because when we moved here, those bands all lived here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which was kind of like, I think yeah. we kind of got lucky in that vein is that yeah, I mean, everyone was Section here. 8 was here. Right. Like like you said, like every, like yeah. all these other bands, they were all here. And that, man, and you're right, you, I was saying something to somebody the other day. I'm like, oh, you know, like you were saying, like you could assume like maybe it's not the same. But yeah. from what I understand, like the kids are still doing the same thing. They're still having their I, I house think shows. So yeah, they're still doing their punk rock yeah. house shows. It's I don't know just, if they're, they're not they're staying not, up. There's, well, there's not nearly as, as many house. I mean, there used to be many. there used to be house shows That's every weekend. Problem. I mean, you would literally go out to a show three to four nights a week. Okay, and it'd be the right? hardback, and it'd be the utility house, and it'd be some other house. Like okay. Ellie had a house with Steve. And o there would be nights where there'd be five shows going right. on at five Simultan different yeah. places. And they wouldn't stop till four in the morning. Yeah. You know, the hardback started at 11.30 at night after the Hippodrome got I mean, what, the Cuban Embassy used to have all Cuban the Embassy big, used to have shows. shows. Um, Wasn't there then, like that one time where like, what, three or four of the houses, they had a band in yes. each house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were yeah. doing like this crazy yeah. like... No, I mean, there was just, there was, I think there were probably, at any at any point in time, there were five houses that probably did shows. It's in the, the Square House, the Mega Rock Arena. And then there was the know. brick barn, there was a barn. The 1714 house. And then there was... The barn was, a, oh, well, yeah, there was the barn, you're right. And, and then uh, behind Brad's house when Someday Soon was around, yeah. the little barn yes, back yeah, behind yeah, it, yeah, that little yeah. crappy little thing yeah, where yeah. 
I mean, it was us and like we must have played. I think we played with Asshole Parade there like yeah. four or five. Times. I mean, there was if you wanted to play a show, there were definitely options available. Always shows. Like, yeah, and it was, and there were bands that were touring and playing I, house shows we, constantly. Me and my band pretty much closed all of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, you're saying you, you headlined everyone? Is that what you're talking no, about? No, yeah. we played last after everyone left. Mm. <laughs> Jim and I have always never, had this spot. We always play first before I, anyone gets there. So I, yeah, we, yeah, it was either dead yeah. first yeah. or dead last yeah. every show. Even the, like the show we played with Texas is the reason. Yeah. At, at, uh, and then Full Circle had shows too. Yeah. And then CMC had shows. Yeah. I mean, there was there were was there was a glut of possible venues to to play. And at. now and now we have. Well, it's you know it's still pretty pretty damn awesome. I mean, there's there's the size of the places we have are bigger now. We have the right, Woolly, which right. is big. Yeah, there's the Woolly, and there's the Atlantic, and then there's here at Boca and or Palomino. Um, <clears throat> High Dive. I don't really go to shows there anymore, yeah. but that was the old Cover Dish, and then um, I'm gonna interview him. Um, and then you know, yeah, Florida Theater bands used to play the Florida Theater every now and then yeah. uh, if they somehow got on a spot with a big touring band. And uh, yeah, I mean it's like just hot water or and hot Lucy's. Water I mean Lucy's does it well now. Lucy's and Atlantic are my favorite yeah. places, and Boca are my favorite places. Lucy's to go to actually has now. turned out to be a pretty fucking rad place. I like, like it. it. When it was Market Street, they really yeah, weren't it, doing it, it right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, yeah, again, no. yeah, Market Street had shows. You know, it was just. There was tons of places to. I mean, you could, you would, and the funny thing too is there was no internet, so we somehow we all knew where everyone was going that night. We'd actually call someone and leave a message in their answering well, machine. Well, because Leo's, everybody worked at Leo's. Yeah, you could just go and, and Bagel yeah. Land or whatever, and Seven O Six. I mean, because those yep. were the only. I mean, folks, back then there weren't like now, as we would make jokes about Gainesville having like so many hipster places, which is true. It does. Uh, but back then there weren't really any other places but man people. you could get free food from everywhere back yeah then. back then you could always uh, what was it falafel king and uh, yep, leo's you, and burrito, burrito brothers. brothers and satori oh Remember? yeah yeah god we all ate you had to free. do was leave a tip we ate for free so much it was so great all the <laughs> so, all the all the all the free beer and when alex worked leo's. at mother earth and you could just walk out with a card for groceries what's that going out <laughs> i have no idea guys i don't i don't know um uh, it, uh uh, I don't think stealing is a good thing at all. But, you know, <laughs> I do not condone. If you're, you know, I don't condone stealing. But, you believer. know, if, if every once in a while you got to do it. You That's know. the thing. You would never, ever. You got to do Ever it. catch me shoplifting, ever. I've never done it. I'm a very, like, I'm, again, I've always been a responsible person. Um, but yet I had no qualms about walking through the cart full of groceries at right. that, you know, that store because... Uh, it's because Alex was my roommate. He never paid his bills, so that, right. that was a retribution. He would give me free, <laughs> give me free food, so he could assume it. I am still owed like a four hundred dollar long distance tab. Nice from when Panthero booked a tour, and when they, we live with, I live with Shane and, and oh, yeah. Alex. Oh, nice. Supposedly, I've been known to uh, gank stuff, but in my younger years, but, never you know. did. I never. I mean, I, I don't. Corporation. Yeah, I, 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 I'm very, very leftist, not, very anti-corporate. Not, not that, but yet, not I that just it's don't, right. I just don't go inside the stores. I don't feel the yeah, need to yeah. steal from them. I just don't. I just don't. Well, see, that's what I do now. Yeah. yeah. See, that's that's the thing that you figure that out when you get older. You don't have to steal from the assholes. You just don't have to you just fucking don't buy from them. Just yeah. don't buy from them. Don't don't even walk in their store. Mm-hmm. Don't even bring your positive vibe. You're into not getting shit. the thirty dollars a week I spend on diapers. No, Fuck you're you. not. Yeah. I'm using cloth. Yeah. That's not diapers for me. I mean for the child. Oh yeah. I just want to clarify that just to kill people. He has a child. My wife uses cloth diapers for me. Um, so. But, um, 
Let's see, is anything, I know the fest is coming up, I mean, you got anything going on for the fest? Are you... I'm supposed to, I work every year, I don't know if I'm going to work this year. Are you working this year? This year? I'm working Maybe, I, you know, my real, my day job doesn't allow me to take that much time off, and in all honesty, you know, and this is no no disparaging towards the fest, but there's not a lot of bands that I care about that are playing and all. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah, there's no, great bands cool. playing, but... Um, and somehow it just happens, like, I miss Jay Robbins when he played because I was dealing with another band, and I always end up missing the bands I actually want to see because see. I'm working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. So I, I'll probably do something related to it, but, you know, I still, I don't do sound as much anymore as I used to, but yeah, I still... Yeah, I was going to say, what got you now? Just give me a quick little... Uh, I quit grad school after a few years, and I was working at No Idea. I just wasn't making enough money to live, so, so I, um, you know, I lived like the cheapest, remember the Eastside Gardens yeah, apartment yeah, yeah. by Jason's house, and um, I, I needed another job, so I started working the door at the top, and that led me to working the door and working the floor at Common Designs, I decided like, fuck, fuck this, I don't want to get spit on on a regular basis by asshole kids working the floor, but I'm just kicking them out from drinking underage. So I learned how to do sound, and that became something I gravitated towards really quickly, and then, you know... Strike Force asked me to do sound for them out of town a couple of times, yeah. and then I did sound for the draft out of time, out of town, town for a few times, and I was working at Common Grounds on a regular basis. And they so moved, it just kind of blew up. Yeah, it just blew up, and they moved thing. to the Common Grounds, moved to the, what the old cover dish was, and I was yeah. sort of the regular main sound guy there with Darren. And then Which Hot Water. Which was an amazing, fun place to work. Oh, absolutely. And then Hot Water started doing reunion shows, and John Harris couldn't do sound because um, he was obligated to another band, I think. And uh, they asked me to do it, and then so I just was touring with them for. I think I did that for about three years, three or four years okay. before Ryan took over. Yeah, so yeah. it was, you know, fly out every month kind of thing. And yeah. I went to Europe with them a couple of times. Oh, so wow. I definitely got to see most of the world um, more through tra- that. Through traveling with hot water, absolutely, yeah. That's awesome. No, that's cool because I was wondering about that because, you know, like that was one of the things, like, I was like, when I, like, looking back, I'm like, oh man, why didn't I ever start doing, you know, like, because I wanted to work in the well, you got, I wanted you know, to be around music, and it was like that. What? That's a good way to I mean, be around. It, it is if you're working sound every night for bands you want to hear. But I mean, there's yet. a lot of there's a lot of awesome. I've got a three-hour set with a jam band where the trombonist is, is complaining that his microphone is not sounding good enough, and his monitors stuff like that. So Dude. there's a lot of bullshit you have to deal Bro. with. But but Bro. I got the opportunity to spend you know hundreds possibly thousands of hours with some of my best friends right trying to make them sound as good as i know they were capable of sounding okay. and you know right, right. And, and you know and, and making sure that the audience understood what they were putting putting forth in their uh, god that sounds so cliche and weird but but what they were putting forth in their performance i mean hot water is is a phenomenal live band yeah to be able to watch that band every single night you have no idea how gratifying that is like it is just one of the best things ever because i would you know I could have the shittiest night and the room would be terrible and there'd be echo and bounce everywhere and yet the crowd would be still going crazy and I'd after the show, you know, after everything calmed down, they're like, so how was it out there tonight? I was like, man, the crowd loved it. I'm not happy with the way it sounded. And, you know, they would still be like, dude, it's the room. Like, you know, but that sort of support from them was the greatest thing ever, you know. You know, Matt Sweeting is, is pretty much primarily responsible for me being for me actively doing sound because okay. he was the one that was like encouraging Thank you, Matt. Matt's always been encouraging like he was the one that you know encouraged me to do whatever musically or professionally or whatever yeah um, and he was the one that's like hey I think you should come do sound for a strike force for playing in Tampa oh, shit. kind okay. of thing and so he you know I don't know whether he just was 
taking me under his wing or saw potential in me as a sound guy, but he definitely... He probably just knew you had the ear for it. Yeah, the ear, and I, you Which know, I he, know, he you knows do. I'm a nerd that I won't ever do think anything half-assed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still totally, totally. I, you know, it's just yeah, yeah. the nerd in me is like, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to figure out exactly how it, it should be done, Okay. and then I'll try and make it my own. I'm not going to do it the way, same way everyone else does it, but I'm going to do yeah. it to what I, where I think fits the environment, so... And definitely working for did shitty you, did jam bands. Did you enjoy doing sound? Like, was that? I loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still love it. You know, I would still, I, you know, I'd be a touring sound guy in a heartbeat if I didn't have a family. You know? Right. Um, it's a, it's a weird rough. Uh, you should probably get someone that does it nine months out of the year. The most I ever did it was probably cumulatively two months out of the year. But it's 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 simultaneously the most amazing job in the world and the most boring job in the world right. because I mean you load in and you you do a sound check Lots of and you sit there for hours yeah. and then you, you you work for an hour and a half and then you are still up for another four or five hours loading out and waiting for to leave to go to the next show and chilled then, down um, doing all the shit so it's I mean it's a lot of just really and then you have to deal with asshole sound house, I mean, house sound guys which majority of them have been what? awesome there's, there's this bad stigma of like sound guys are awful and I've, I've met very few bad ones I've met a lot of like mediocre or just apathetic ones right um, to where you know dealing with that where you go and suddenly the, half the equipment doesn't work and you have to jury rig something or figure out okay this is going to be like a house show now we're going to have a vocal PA they weren't a thousand seat you know or a 500 seat theater and it's literally like basically a house show PA yeah I'm going to do whatever it takes whether it's to talking to Chris it. and Jason and Chuck and be like hey we need to sort of either move your amps or turn them down or do whatever else facilitates you because the band is by far the most important how they perceive right. themselves yeah. helps how they how they play right 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 and so dealing with that so it's kind of it's a fun puzzle like dealing with that but also making sure it sounds as good as it possibly sound out front yeah it's it's fun I like solving puzzles so that aspect of it I definitely gravitate towards and I still miss and I miss you know being around my friends on a regular basis yeah that's awesome, man. I mean, like, again, I appreciate you coming out here tonight and meeting me up. Absolutely. I mean, you. I mean, it's. We're all older, and I think that's another reason why I started the, this. Here's the here's the sad thing, folks. For those of you, and I, this is this is breaking the fourth wall to a certain extent. You have to realize that Jay is. Well, let me say the first thing about Jay. When I met Jay, Jay was, I wouldn't say crazy, but fearless. I guess is the best way to say it, which I really really admired. Um, but Jay is by far the most fit person that I know and also it pisses me off to no end that he was at my wedding was by far the best dancer at my wedding um, he and his wife Chrissy are phenomenal dancers I have no rhythm with you if you've ever listened to anything I've done on drums you can probably tell I have very little rhythm um, but you know, it's one of those things that's funny that like looking back when I was 17 and thinking like this guy that's dragging my friend out naked in the middle of the, the parking right. lot or whatever you want to call it is going to be a friend of mine you know 22 years from now and, and I would have been I, it wouldn't have been weird to me I would have been absolutely excited as excited yeah. as I am the fact that we're still friends you know no, me Jay too. performed my wedding ceremony yes, you know, I Jay did, was, I did. you know because he was the one person I thought like he's got that level-headedness he's got that creativity he's got that sense of responsibility like I can trust him to do something that that's going to mean a lot to me, you know, 50 years down the line. So. I, I appreciate that very much because, like, like I was telling you earlier, it's it's uh, I, I've had to fake it for a long time because I really didn't have the, uh, I guess the uh, the confidence that I would portray for Which so long. Which to me is astounding because I always thought you were an incredibly confident person. Man, it, it's amazing! It's amazing what uh, it's it's amazing how you can do that but it's still uh, unfortunately builds a lot of anxiety well, so when you're by yourself we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna extend this interview just okay, a little bit no, that's, fun. So that's fun just out of my curiosity because you know I you know, yeah. I, I was never the party guy at all I was never a drinker and you had your phases where you were definitely was it was it 
what made you the outgoing person? Because you, you're you've always been very outgoing. Now you're outgoing in a different way. You're outgoing in more of a, a sort of um, hi, I'm Jay. It's nice to meet you here. My answer back then it was like I'm Jay. Let's get crazy. Not like let's get crazy drunk, but it was like let's do funny shit. Because I think the biggest part, my my biggest thing always has been, and I think uh, I guess would be for anybody in my situation. I guess like someone who wants to do comedy and is right. probably, I'm gonna get back into it actually. And uh, there are things in your life that happen that, that bring that out of you. I've always, no matter what in my life, the only thing I ever wanted was to be liked, no matter what. I don't know what it was ever since I was a kid. Uh, and I was always afraid to not be liked. So I kinda at a younger age built up this it's kind of like a persona, I right, guess you would yeah, say, yeah, yeah. A, a safety persona, right? You know that would would make me feel comfortable right. in social situations, and make me feel like I had control. Did, did you ever put yourself in a situation where you felt uncomfortable doing what you were doing, but you were doing it just to make people like you? Always. Really? Yes. See, I never got that vibe at all. That that totally surprised me. I because never... I was always afraid that no, I I even see that's the messed up part with with me and dealing with a, a lot of shit. Growing up the way that I did is that I really, even if you could have been my friend for 20 years, when I was drinking, I was at home nights thinking to myself how much everyone in town didn't like me. Well, and this is a weird. I mean, you know, we can stop this if you want. No, to, it's like, cool. It's cool. Um, this is real. This in, a, in, a, in a weird way, like, the thing is, like, we know you. We know each other very well. Very well. You, you know a lot more about me because I have a sibling and because we totally. But I know very little about you from a from a family background to a certain yeah. sort of things like that, which is I think uh, probably is a fault of mine for not ever asking those questions. It's I all mean, right. The older we get, the rarely we've been in situations where we actually <laughs> got to sit down and shoot the shit and talk about stuff. Totally, like, totally, totally. Well, yeah, and I feel awful the fact that like. I had this superficial interpretation of who you are as a person. I think a lot of people in town had a superficial idea of who Pops yeah. was. You know what I mean? I think uh, I all I was was a scared kid yeah, yeah. who was big enough to stand up against bullies. You know what I mean? Right. Which I mean, I think Which, that's why, that's why I, I called you Pops because I mean, you I took never, care of all of us. And, and I still don't to this day feel that I'm the size that I am. I feel like I'm a lot smaller. Right. Okay. I've always felt small. Right. You know what I mean? I don't yeah, feel yeah, yeah. like a big person. Right. And I've always and I've always had that tendency to use my humor. Right. right. I always had the humor. I've always I've always that's all I've ever wanted. I always wanted to be around people and make them laugh. Right. Absolutely. And that was the most important thing to right. me. Well, the, the thing is too though is like you're not the guy that commands a crowd to a certain extent like you uh -huh. if we, you're in a small no. group like you're definitely one of the most outgoing people in the group but like you're not the guy that walks in the party and is like hey I'm here I'm, I'm Jay kind of thing no because I I always that was the uh, that was the asshole I could have been right right you know what I mean yeah like yeah, I yeah, think yeah. and I think I realized at a young age when I first started getting into punk rock music the reason why I got into punk, I think what gravitated me towards it was the fact that I, I wouldn't have to go into anywhere and pretend to be anything that I wasn't. Right, right. I could just be me. What in essence everyone, you were, you were still kind of pretending to be something. Even yeah, in that, yeah, even yeah, a, yeah. In an environment you felt comfortable I, I was, in. I, yeah. It was the most, Which is unfortunate, it was the most yeah. comfortable environment that I could find yeah, because yeah, it was yeah. these freaks and these kids in Sarasota yeah. 
Shout out to the Sarasota freaks, <laughs> all of you, really. All of you that are still alive, all you grave jumping motherfuckers, I don't know how you're still around. But that town had a lot to do with why I moved here. Right. I mean, this town was a new start for me. Do you do you feel that, um, do, I mean, this is kind of weird, but do you Actually, think that- George Rebello and Chuck Reagan and those guys were my new start in life. Do you, I mean, but do you see Pops as the guy you used to be and Jay as the guy you are now? I mean, because we we knew you were Jay, but we always called you Pops. Like, was is there that simplistic of a, like a delineation between Pops and Jay, or was? No, Pops is always there. He's just under the right, skin. Right, right. It's okay. kind of like the. Hulk. But was was Pops to a certain extent the persona? <laughs> I mean, was it, it had to be? Yeah. Okay. I mean, so when you may, I mean, because you refer to you used to refer to yourself as Pops. Yeah. And now it's it is always Jay. It was kind of a conscious decision to make that. I to think change that, as or? I got older, I started changing it. But uh, I realized within the past year or so that that persona that I had built mm -hmm. as Pops, a lot of it, it has a lot to do with who I am now. Right, right. Meaning that person who tried really hard to be as human, human uh, towards other humans as possible and be, and to never, I, I my thing was, at, at any cost necessary, any of my friends would never get hurt while they were around me. Right. Yeah. And I would do anything. Yeah. I mean, for my you friends. made us all feel safe. And and, and 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 that that was what I pops and Jay in that way are yeah. the same. The, you, I mean, the humor, you, the, you, the, the the fighting stuff. That's right. not Jay. I mean, do you do you regret being pops there for a while, or do you? I mean, yes, do you see I this do. Part of a growth, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, because I think a lot. Of, I think I ruined. Uh, I think I ruined a couple opportunities, some bands, in some very negative ways really? with the way I was back then. Uh, I think uh, any of the music that I did with Brad and Tom, yeah. I definitely thought could have probably gone a lot further if I wasn't such a negative fucking bitch about shit, which I kind of was, and a lot of people probably didn't see it because I really didn't. I but negative kind of about what? The music wasn't what you afterwards. wanted it to be? Or, oh, yeah, okay, you know, like, okay, just yeah. just kind of shitting on right. it afterwards. Okay. Like, that wasn't what it should have, you know, just Oh, well, we fucking, all shit on yeah, the stuff we, we all used did. to. I mean, I, yeah, I, we, I, mean, was, I still I, do. Yeah, but. but looking back, I mean, I definitely think I could have used the more uh, empathetic side of myself to, right. to be more understanding of just my... I was being more hard on myself than I was right. anybody else, is what right, it was. Right, right. But my vibe... But you're displacing it, too. I'm a vibe person, and, and people who know me know if I'm feeling a certain way, and if it's not a good way, and you're around me, you're probably going to be able to tell. Right, right. And uh, and I've tried to keen that back a lot. Right. And uh, so the pops thing, I'm proud of a lot of it because uh, I think as pops, I got to meet uh, a lot of people that I never would have been able to meet. As pops, I got to tour. As pops, I got to. Have sex with some hot. I mean, chicks. Do you, you know, feel like that there it, were there were relationships, whether they were you know uh, romantic or just friendship? Some were fake because I was. No, but I mean, I was gonna say like, are there, do you feel that there's relationships you missed out on because pops came into play? Yeah, totally. Oh, really? Oh yeah. I think I think I think that's a, a lot. The main reason why I'm doing this podcast now is because yeah. a lot of pops. Uh, I missed a lot. Really? I missed a lot more than. Did you I just feel not feel and you were you were just unable to engage in as the, much as I wanted really? to? Okay, yeah. like emotionally or just like it, just it all around? Oh, really? Okay. And connect. I was able to put myself in the situation. I just wasn't able to connect the I way mean, that I wanted. Was to. there? I mean, whether it was Chuck or were, were there people back then that you actually? 
felt comfortable enough around that George? you were you were George was the one I mean the one person George you were, was always I mean yeah that's why I mean that's why George and I are so close you yeah. know it's, George is one of those people like that you can just feel comfortable and be yourself well, I mean like, he you know, was I mean it's like I mean it's like I mean how we've become and I think most of our friends it's one of those things like we've gotten to the age where it's just no matter what time is spent apart as soon as yeah. you get back together there's no time oh yeah I mean George and I spent it's like you nothing, know, nothing ever yeah was yeah yeah you know, we, we we had times when we were younger that I we were really close and then I went to graduate school I stayed in town for graduate school but I still went by by means of distancing myself from music and stuff like that just to do school even though I was kind of still playing music yeah um, and then once that ended like that's when George and I kind of found each other again and started getting really yeah yeah this yeah. now turned into the how awesome is George podcast well no I, it is. I mean well I but, mean I, I think that that's just this is one of the things that I'm trying to get across to people who are gonna who are listening to this is that this is what Gainesville has to offer man yeah yeah uh, and I'm closing this out I'm gonna say um Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank for your you. time. Holy crap. <laughs> thanks for taking care of me. Uh, thanks for thanks for <laughs> turning years. around and getting a little bit of me in there. Well, you know. I love talking about myself except when the recorder's well, on. Clearly it's I like weird. talking about myself a lot, you know. That's what you I want. You should wanted, get Jim though. on this and you'll get basically, you know, half an hour of silence. Actually, I know. Actually no, Jim will have a, a completely different perspective. He will never claim that he pushed me to do anything. He will no, say it's no, always my choice, of course. but that's you know. But uh, much love to you and your family. And you too. Uh, this this is not a one-time thing, like I keep saying to everyone else. This is going to be, we'll we'll be returning to each other. Um, there's there's we've we've got 20 years worth of stories. I think we need to have the round table though, where it's like you know me and Jim and and George and Chris and Var yeah, we could and definitely. Pat, like, we, uh, well, Var because there's different perceptions. Like Var and Pat were in it forever, and yes, then, you know exactly. And then we had a different interpretation of who George and Chris and Chuck and Jason yeah. were, and then they had a different interpretation of who we were. And, and that, and that's what yeah. that's that's what that's what makes. Uh, you realize I'm guiding your career. Now. Yeah, I'm, you I'm, are. <laughs> You're helping. I'll take any guidance necessary because I have no idea what I'm doing. I, I'm, I, ju I'm just I, throwing the lasso out there and hoping. I, I'm just hoping people out there see what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to trying to show people that I love I love the people in this town so much that uh, I'm going to take the time to thank them for all the things that they have no idea that they did for me, and that is to make me feel at home in a town that wasn't my home. And that's why Gainesville's my home now. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, John Mar Marburger, uh, again, sir, thank you very much. Thank you, buddy. And you have a beautiful evening, man. You too, I appreciate it. I thank you. Good night.